Hey guys, just a quick one before today's episode that all topics discussed are for informational purposes, educational purposes only, and should not be deemed as advice in any way. Should you wish to participate in any of the topics discussed, please contact your nearest medical professional. Hope you enjoy, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, my guest today needs no introduction. Uh, However, I'm going to do my best to give him one. You may follow him on Instagram and know him for standing naked in his garden. And if we were to describe Scotland as Helm's Deep, he certainly lives in Rivendell. And you might hear that from his accent today. It is the one, it is the only, Josh Bridgman. How are we doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thank you for that intro. Appreciate it. <laughs> not a problem, but I reached out to Josh not that long ago and said, hey, we should get a session now that we're teammates. And he went, yeah, yeah I'm about, uh, I'm about uh, Gloucestershire way. And I went, mate, that's like a seven-hour drive from me. Um, but it's great to have you on, mate. I much appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, and I know that the listeners will get a huge amount from this but I think there's maybe some listeners that have been living under a rock and maybe don't know who Josh Bridgman is now I do and I'm sure many of my followers do but if you could give us a a sort of brief history into your bodybuilding career your coaching career to date um, from literally day one up until right now that'd be fast day one um I mean I've been going to the gym like since I was 16 I'm 26 now so that's 10 years um, it definitely was for performance when I first started towards kind of rugby gym that kind of stuff uh, sorry rugby football that kind of stuff and then as I developed I basically w- I went to university with this thought of you know being into the rugby team and, and literally the summer before snapped my crucial ligament so that was out of the question literally Damn. Um, and then and then, but then I kept up with the gym stuff I kept up with the progression and I noticed the uh, you know the the, the micro progressions that you get day on day out and I just I kind of fell in love with that process of beating myself and, and not having anyone around but just you and yourself you know every single day and I really enjoyed that process and I remember I didn't even know what bodybuilding was you know because even even when I was like 21 like Instagram was you know pretty young no not everyone was on it but now everyone's on it and it was literally just Facebook I didn't do that too much either so I didn't have this insight into bodybuilding that you can get now and, and I remember walking past like a, just like a little stall that was in the gym and it had, had Mr. University on it. And I thought, oh, so I, knew what, I knew who Arnold was. Everyone knows who Arnold is. So then I just uh, I just thought, mm, should I do it? And one of my friends egged me into it. Six-week prep, crash diet, and then nice. uh, fell in love with the whole process. Nice. We've all been there. So what, what year was your first show? 2014. Nice. Yeah. So this has been my fifth year competing. And I competed literally every year since then. Um, I started off just kind of with the, with the UK BFF. Everyone starts off at UK BFF. Did the, did the juniors. Did pretty well. Came second in Britain. Did the men's. Came fifth. Then did it again. Came second. And then everything kind of imploded towards that pro card. Two bros sprouted. And then did two bros this year. Won a qualifier overall. Went to Italy. Won a class. Didn't get the overall. Came to the British. Couldn't win my class because he was the overall winner. So it's been been about a flat pro guard since then, um, and I've been coaching about three years alongside that. Yeah, I think I remember watching you. And did you do UKBFF two thousand seventeen? Yeah, yeah, I would have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, did. I, I was there because I think at the time you were prepping with uh, was it JP? Yeah, I was a JP for yeah two, whole of two thousand seventeen off season and on season. Yeah, because I, I still remember watching you on stage, and then I, I was watching your story, and I think you were running up like a corridor. 
with the trophy <laughs> being like ah and I still that's my one memory I was like I remember that from a few years ago so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up now in that time frame from say 2014 you know you were clearly natural at the time and if we follow you now we'll know that you're assisted as am I but at what point did you decide to jump on the use of anabolics and was there anything that influenced your decision making uh, in that time um, or was it just a case of I want this fucking pro card and I'm going to do everything I can to get it yeah for sure um, so end of 2017 I knew how I looked I knew how I needed to look regardless because UK BFF they sort of had different rules for the pro card right like it was a lot smaller it was almost achievable for like if you were really good naturally yep. and, and that kind of really excited me at the time I thought oh if I could do this naturally but that just like as soon as it imploded and two bros came and rightly so the now you get a pro card when you deserve a pro card, not when you've got to put 10 kilos of muscles on, you know? <laughs> so regardless of what would have happened, if it was the same the year after or the year after, I knew I needed a lot of muscle. So I I, I, I said I was going to take away two years because I've never really done a full two years naturally off-season, do it like training the proper way, recovering, that kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, you know, and I looked at kind of where the natural leagues lay, the, the guys at the top down, I thought, is that what the feces cover was wanted? It's not... And I just kept going back to this men's physique look that they had at the Olympia, and I just thought, you know, like regardless of, regardless of even if I come back big enough and get a pro card, I'm still half the size of these dudes. Like, of course they, you know, they're assisted. And I thought, and because it had been on my brain for so long, and 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 when you've got that irk about bodybuilding, you, you just you do things. You know, when you've got the irk about anything, you just you do, you do things that you to do to win. And and now I've got this irk about being on that Olympia stage. I knew that was a, the the decision I needed to make, and there's been no regret since. And it was in November 2018, so it's literally, I think it's a year to the day next week on Saturday. I remember. Yeah, and I think that you are a prime example to to anyone out there that's natural in regards to what you should do first. Like in regards to, to Max and everything out, because I was, you know, a stupid 21 year old that was just Googling testing DECA cycles. You'd be lucky if I took a multivitamin at the time, right? But sure. at the time, I didn't track my calories, I didn't do my logbook. And, you know, we'll get into that later in the podcast about what to do. But I think that anabolics itself is so, like, taboo in today's industry. It's becoming more open as more people talk about it. But I still remember, um, for those that you don't know, me and Josh were both at the Muscle Mentors um, education camp, and that's where I first met you. Um, and I just went over to Josh and said, listen, I really respect what you do, because you talk about it openly. And at the time I had just started doing the same, I got a little bit of sort of hate about it, and I'm sure you got some as well. But I think that one of the main things that people or guys out there, coaches, don't want to talk about it is this whole being afraid that it might affect their coaching business or their, their current clients now. Because you are someone that talks about it openly and you're a very successful coach, you've got a big big business, a big big brand, can you kind of give the, the, any listeners an insight of well, why is it maybe the, the perhaps the complete opposite? I mean, people just love honesty, literally, you know, like, it's what I want to see. I, I thought to myself at, at points of, you know, you can go down certain routes in marketing yourself and it's very easy to kind of lose yourself, but the things that I love are just people who are being real. You, know, you can just watch them on their story and you're like, okay, that, guy, that guy's real. And, and and if you're coming open with something as, as taboo like steroids and, and, you know, talking openly about what you're taking, how you're doing it, but obviously with the the right intention to promote the educational side of it, you know, I don't think any of us would promote the use of it. It's, you know, it's, it's your own life. You do what you want. You know, we don't want an influence on that kind of thing. Um, so it's more just the education side of it because people are going to do it regardless. And I just thought that that was very, very valuable for a lot of people to hear. And I think, I think I would like to think that in doing that, I've turned a lot, more, a lot of people 
away from doing it, but also equally the people who are going to do it anyway, I've taught them how to do it properly, you know, and in, and in the right way. And I think people got a lot of value from that. And, you know, I got a lot more, a lot more clients than that because, you know, that's, that's just the way business is. And also to put it, you know, straight on like that's straight how it is you look bigger you look better you're better for your market you're better for your people see this big juicy guy on youtube they're going to click that picture you know like it helps business that way as well so like you got to look at it that way as well but that's you know a few faces down but you know at the, 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 the few levels it's always going to help being honest and being transparent about things like that yeah 100 percent. and for anyone listening out there who's still in this adamant that they'll lose clients did you lose any <laughs> no no zero I was the same, right? But see, like two years ago, okay, I was a bit more educated. I wasn't doing the whole Googling, testing DECA and just taking whatever. Uh, I was still afraid. I was like, I can't say I'm on this because all my client base will leave me and blah, blah. But what happened was I, I said, listen, this is what I do and this is why I do it. And you just get busier and you just get busier. And then people kind of go, well, you know what? even if their opinion is, oh, but he takes gear, but then, you know, my other, my client would say, yeah, but he's not lying about it. Because I feel there's too many people in the industry that are like, take this creatine and you look like me. <laughs> when it's, 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 a, it's about a lot more than that. So that was one of the reasons why I, when I saw you there, I was like, I got to go over and speak to you because I think that in hindsight, I wish I had done my journey uh, as as you had done, and I think that the eagerness of many people to just jump on too soon is is becoming quick, and whether that's to do with competing Instagram or whatever. But you know, you were a guy that was natural for so long. So if there is someone out there who is is thinking about it, and you know, you've said that you've turned people away, but you've maybe perhaps educated them on if they are going to go. What would you say to someone that's natural? They're thinking about it. Um, you know, j- just an insight before they do it, what they should consider and what they what you would suggest they should do before they jump on. For sure. Um, I think just like start the foundations. You've got to have some training experience behind you. There's no point whacking a load of gear, you, gear in you and then still be learning how to bench press. You know, you should be able to apply a bench press technique or motor pattern to any bench press in the world, incline, decline, you know, and, and be efficient across many, many different exercises for you to be able to make the most of progressing on those exercises, you know. First couple of years you're training someone, you're not going to take them anywhere near to the kind of failure, you know, anywhere near the complicated exercises that you can do as, as, a, as an advanced bodybuilder. So definitely go through the motions, start at a beginner, start come through the intermediate ranks and, and then earn your muscle, you know, and, and have a good, good foundation there. Know what recovery is, know how to feed yourself properly is because it's all going to be way more important when you're on gear because you've got other health things that, to consider. So that cheeseburger that you have every single week or, you know, two, three times a week is, is, is going to have an effect on things even more so now that you're putting gear in you, you know. So sure, you might blow up, you know, because everyone's going to blow up if you put gear in you for at least, at least until that stops working. Um, and then before that, if, if you commit to the goal, you know you're ready for this and, and, and you've got big dreams and, and for, for your own reasons or whatever it is, you know, get the blood work done. See where your baselines lie. You know, the, the best people in the world that you can follow are people like Dean that you've had on the podcast before, you know, like listen to what these guys are saying. They're not saying it for no reason. Get the blood work done. See where you are naturally because that's where you're going to have to come back to eventually, you know, even if that's even if it's a commitment for life and you want to be on TRT, you've still got to come back to those ranges because that's where your body's used to, you know, so get that done. And if you don't have the knowledge, you know, which I openly don't, and I'll, and I'll say that, 
which is why I don't go into specifics about it, is and employ someone who does, you know, and, and, and outsource that because it's your fucking life, like like literally for the rest of your life. So, in, you know, potentially. So invest in someone and, and that would be my biggest piece of advice. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about blood work because I'm sure this is the same mentality across, you know, down south as it is up, up north, right? But... I'll often get a client, and the minute I mention, let's run your bloods, it's met with like a, like not like a fight, but they're willing to go spend three, four, five hundred yes. quid on a cycle, but when you're like, listen, right, there's this sort of blood test we need to do, it'll give us a baseline, it's hundred odd quid, it's just, nah, I don't want to do that. And I struggle, like, sometimes it's a struggle to get guys to even do their fucking blood pressure. So, the fact that you said, get blood work done, mate, I love, and I know that obviously that's a lot to do with Carl's influence, and he does my coaching as well. But how, like, I have a few guys or you know a few people that I speak to up here that they don't value blood work. Do you get do you get that same sort of mentality down south? Yeah, for sure. And I think just me me being on the internet and being you know exposed to a lot of people, people people just come to me with a problem to do again. I think, well, where's this where's this marker? What do you mean? You know? And then I introduce them to like blood work, and they're like, ah, oh, okay. And these people are taking. They're taking, they're taking, you know, you know, if, okay, I've got water retention. They're taking prolactin and then letrozole and then arimidex one after the other. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why are you just like trialing and erring? These things are not good for you. Like, just we have the technology now. We have you come in, and you can get a nurse to come in, or you can do a finger prick in the safety of your own home, you know, in your own terms. Post it off, and you get the full results. Like, you've got full control of your health. Why not do it? Even if you're natural, you know, once a year, you know, whatever it is, you know, you've got full control of your health. So. I know, it's, it's obviously a personal choice for a lot of people, but it's, it's, if you mess with gear, it's just stupid. Yeah, I always say it's it's influenced by, I have this like persona of a made-up person I call Big Jimmy, right? And Big Jimmy is in every gym, and he's about 40% body fat, wears a tank top, doesn't train legs, and <laughs> eats D-balls for breakfast, right? Who's just telling you, go take this dose, go take that dose. Uh, and the influence that comes, like, when I'm working with guys, I'm like, listen, we need to get this done because if you don't, you're at risk of having a cardiovascular event by the time you're 40. And they go, what? And I go, yeah, because I'm quite meticulous with what I do, but I still have stuff to sort out, whether it's post-blast, post-prep or whatever. And I'm thinking, right, if I'm pretty meticulous with my health, supplements, blood pressure, blah, blah, how are these guys that are not? It's crazy. It's crazy, right? And, and a lot of these symptoms, as Dr. Dean said, can go... Uh, you know, the, he talked about blood pressure being the silent killer, and yep. you know I've, I've had some guys they come on board and their blood pressure sitting at like you know one forty or plus, and I'm like, that's fucking like type two hypertension or, or that state. But again, it's it's not seen as a bad thing because they're still walking about, they're still living, um, but it's only for a case of so long. But rather than me go off on a tangent about this, what I wanted to to sort of go into detail about what you said, if you could talk about. Just the difference in how you felt within your body being natural to then when you were on gear. Now, I don't know where your sort of blood work was naturally to then when you put in the, whether it was a cruise dose, how much it went up. But just talk the average listener through like, right, what was energy levels like, libido, everything, hunger, appetite, recovery, everything like that naturally versus assisted. So I I, got, I can remember my blood work from when I when I was natural. I had a, a pretty I remember because I was proud so I was proud of it you know high testosterone cool <laughs> you know so it was like it was like twenty five nanomoles per liter so it's pretty high on the range yeah, yeah. The highest is like 
thirty. I've seen a few people naturally go above that. Actually, to be fair, through blood work that I've seen, um, and like input two hundred fifty milligrams of of testosterone testy. And after six weeks, I was at like 124 nanomoles per liter. So, you know, it's, and people think telling me to start at 500 milligrams. And I'm just like, whoa, like, I don't wonder what that would have felt like. Because <laughs> within the first week, I remember waking up and having this, like, my, my bed sheet over me and thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fuller. Like, I can, I'm touching that sheet a little bit better. So I immediately felt fuller within a week. And then just as, it, as the, the drug compounds and builds up in your system, blood serum peaks, you know, that was when I just, those little niggles went away. I, 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 now I know what the niggles feel like again because now I'm on a, like a proper cruise. I can feel it again. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, I, my niggles went away. My recovery just, you know, I felt, I literally felt so you people. I remember saying, like, I feel like nothing could touch me and I could move any kind of weight every single week. And that was the reality of it. You know, it was just, whoa, like, what was this? And it was, and it was you know, when, and then as the weeks went on, it just, it just stayed just stayed it didn't didn't dip it just i just stayed that strong recovery that high hunger higher sex drive higher you know it just felt good yeah. um but a few negatives actually the first, within the first couple of weeks I, I i did have like uh really tingling nipples and i thought oh here we go you know gyno first thing everyone thinks um and then but then we managed to just get the hormones to control a little bit quicker um other than that that was it and then obviously prep happened yeah uh, and what i like as well is that you you literally said, well, this is what it was naturally and this is what I went up to because, again, something Dean said and something I only really got clarity on a couple of weeks ago was that the same dose does different things to in, like inter-individual individuality, whereas me and a, a guy that's coming on board with me soon, um, we're running the same dose. We were on 250 meg testy a week um, and we both dropped down to that and we had been cruising for about eight weeks. We both got bloods done at 250, he was 36 nanomoles per litre. I was up at 115. You know what yeah. I mean? So, so the, 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 you know, that's a good and a bad thing, right? For him, bad, because he has to take way more gear to get the same levels I would. But me, potentially, i got to not run quite as much and watch how the levels are going. But if you just listen to Big Jimmy or Big Davey, you, you ain't never going to know where the levels are at. And ultimately... <laughs> Could, could waste a shitload of money money that you could be putting into getting blood work done that you're wasting on excess gear sure um, but that's neither here nor there and I'm sure that that debate will still go on and I think it's coming out with the muscle mentors and stuff um, Dr. D and JP and everything going on about it it's it's getting there but um, I don't think you'll ever eradicate the big jimmies no I think the presence is forever <laughs> now moving on I know that you are, I call, Mr. Men's Physique. You know, you're the face of it this year, whether you know it or not. Anyone that mentions Men's Physiques, Josh Bridgman. That's the boy, right? And I follow your journey. It's inspiring for me, and I'm sure it's inspiring for a lot of people. With a lot of people looking up to you, a lot of people thinking they aspire to be Josh Bridgman. Men's Physique. They're thinking about competing for the first time. Whether it's next year, the year after, and whatnot. But maybe perhaps what they're wondering is, and let's take it, let's go right basic. Let's say like, well, what do they look for in men's physique? And if you if you think there's differences or discrepancies across the federations, by all means, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. For sure. Um, so, first of all, we wear board shorts, so actually they don't they don't mark your quads or hamstrings or glutes. So I guess a lot of people get off of uh, 
the locks. I, had, I feel like I've got all right legs as well, so I'm tempted to get them out one day. But you know, for now, if, you, if, you, if you've got your, if you're covered from your waist to your knee, you know, you've already got half your body that you need to worry about. You know, the, the very, very typical men's physique by definition. You know, it's just a small waist with a big tape, but big shoulders. You know, full in the right gaps, and then coming with a, a they say coming with condition, but not too conditioned. But obviously, we know that pretty much every everything is looking for condition at, at, the, at the moment. So it's a bit weird why they, why they call it that. But if you can just have that naturally wide, wide, you know, swimmer shoulders, small waist, you're going to be built for something like men's physique, you know. And, and it's, I think it's one of the, the the categories that probably is pretty genetically determined along with like classic or something. But bodybuilding, you can make a lot of people into good bodybuilders. Some people just don't have that na- that narrow waist and big shoulders, you know. So if you've got to assess it, you've got to be realistic. If you want to be a men's physique pro and, and you don't have the, the shape for it, then you got you got to bite the apple, and that's unfortunate to be out of it. But you know, the best things you can do just fill in those shoulders, fill in the upper chest that everyone everyone uh, everyone struggles with, and just get big wide lats, keep the waist small, um, and just work for it. And then, and depending on the the federation, obviously in natural federations they're going to go for a lot softer, a lot less dense, less small, like a smaller physique essentially if you're natural. And then PCA two bros, the two big ones. Um, I would say that they're pretty even in standard these days. Like PCA is really coming up in terms of like the standard. Um, it's just muscle density, and you've just got to be bigger. You know, train like a bodybuilder. You've got to be bigger, and if you've got the shape, you've got the shape. Yeah, and that's I'd actually asked this to Josh as well. The discrepancies that I see in men's physique is maybe perhaps just now this might be to do with the caliber of athletes that compete. Right, is that it appears that up in Scotland, guys aren't quite as big that do men's physique. And it, it appears that if you are big and you go on stage it, and you're, you know, there's five, six other guys that are, you know, say quote unquote slimmer um, mm-hmm. are not quite as big, you get marked down for it. And I've literally been at shows where I've just went like, he's a winner, he's a winner, he's a winner. And it's the complete opposite of what I thought. And then I go down south. And then you, you you know you look at the guys on stage and they're all fucking jacked, yeah. and it's the guy that's a little bit slimmer that that does well. So that was what I thought there was maybe discrepancies across the Fed, but I would just think that it's it's a law of averages that there's more there's more of you down down south in England than there is up Scotland. So of course the calibre is going to be higher. Is that I mean is that something you've noticed? I know maybe you've not done Scottish shows, um, but being Mister Men's Physique, I'm going to ask you: Is it something that you notice yourself? Yeah, I definitely noticed the difference. Maybe not from north to south of England, but like going to Europe, you know, and play, doing, and competing in Europe, like those guys are even bigger. Like I would say that you, the, the probably the south of England is like middle if they're like high, and then you know as you go further north, obviously because of less people, you're gonna go for a, a smaller physique. But for sure, like the guys in, in Europe are just like, like mad big, so <laughs> really big. That's something that I've actually never heard before anyone say on the podcast so far so talk us through that because you're quite fucking jacked so if we were to compare josh bridgman versus the average you know european men's physique competitor what sort of different are what sort of or are there any differences i think i think um i think my, my problem's always been size you know so as big as i may be in whatever, whatever whatever terms it doesn't even matter what the scale weight is apparently because there are 20 kilos on these guys and they look like completely different because this is the power of muscle balance and genetics um, 
But like I would say, if I was to be competitive with them, so I was like eight, 88 on stage in my last show, and I was to the bone pill, literally nothing left on me. Oh, my feet hurt, my jaw hurts, everything hurt, like everything hurt to sit down. Uh, I reckon I'd need to stick on probably another stone eight kilos, like of just solid muscle to be even hanging with these guys. I think the guys in Europe are very close to like pro standard in terms of size, like the real Olympia dudes. And then it becomes like a fight of like the the, the, the mini school details, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, something again, I've never really went into detail with someone on a podcast is competing abroad. And I feel that it'd be the perfect opportunity considering you went abroad and you won. So let's talk about, you know, if we're doing a show in the UK, perhaps maybe the day before we travel down, you know, we're staying in an Airbnb at a hotel um, and we're getting our tan down the night before. But, you know, let, let's go up one level and can you just give the listeners an idea of, or maybe talk us through, that show you done, you know, how many days before you flew yeah. over, the reasons why you done that, um, and just the lead up to it. For sure. Um, so to do it international, you've got to, you, to do like a pro qualifier, which is what I was going for. Yeah, you have to compete in your own country first. And it was the, it was like two weeks after, so I thought I could come on, go on to it and get do the pro show as well, or the pro qualifier. Um, you've got to plan a lot. So if you're an assisted athlete, you've got to be planning where your last injection is because you don't necessarily, depending on the risk you want to take, you don't necessarily want to be putting that in your suitcase. Um, so you've got to plan when your last, last injection is going to be. So based, I literally based that last injection of, of how early we could make it as to how early I'd go to, to Italy. You've got to think about the water retention from the flight, especially if you're susceptible to it. I, like I am. I have it, like Every time I fly, I have to wear flight socks. If I wear flight socks, my hands get swollen anyway. So it's like, <laughs> I might as well have flight gloves as well. Um, and then you've got to think about the heat difference. So it was like 23, 24 degrees which again like dehydrated me a little bit more walking was a little bit more taxing so I was trying to balance all of those kind of things and that was the, the power of having a coach looking at you every single, every single day um, and then you've got to plan you know what drugs you can take with you if you can take any um, and then you just got to try to keep the variables as similar as possible essentially because your body's been like a clockwork if you've done it right for six months every little variable you will feel um, so you're just trying to minimize the differences day to day and obviously go through your, you know, minimizing stress, trying to find that peak look and just reciprocate it, you know, and just, you know, like the tips are got to be get a place close to where, you, where you're registering, get a place close to where you're competing, make sure you stand by the officials the whole time and read what that, what sheet they're doing. Cause they only spoke in Italian when I was there, right. you know, you got to be a bit more aggressive as to where you're going to be, uh, in England, this is much more calm. So did, did you find out what quarter turn to the right was in Italian before you actually went on so, stage? Fortunately, the, 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 the stage person was, a, was an English dude. He's the same guy who goes around all the pro, show, pro qualifiers. Right. He was, he was uh, I think he was, like American, he was American, I think. So they did do it in, in English. But the, the guys backstage were just calling out all the numbers in Italian. I'm just like trying to Google Translate what, you know, 67 is in Italian. That's fantastic. Now... I'm just going to pick your brain even more so. Now, did you still use short esters before you flew, or did you jab like a an enanthi ester? I, d I don't imagine you would have, but I just just thought I would, I'd quiz you. I was, and then, then did you just take orals with you? Yeah, so I um I literally ran eat like eat everything except okay. for uh, except for training, obviously. Um, I so I, I literally ran eat everything and no differences didn't drop anything didn't even play with estrogen at all 
I just was just dry, shredded, ready every single day, and, and, and actually keeping the test and help the fullness as well. Um, and then I had my last injection on the Wednesday. I was competing on the Saturday, so it was three days, and then I just had just had the orals in, in my suitcase with yeah. a bunch of tablets. Yeah. yeah. The only reason I ask is that next year um, I'm going on holiday for my thirtieth, um, and I'm like two weeks out, and we're going to like Fort Ventura, and I was like, that's a week. So of course, obviously, speak to Cal and whatnot. We'll sort it out. But I was kind of thinking it's got to be it's got to be an anti-ester, and you've got to front load it. But it was yeah. just j- just an idea to think of. I've seen, I've watched like you know James Holland's head go abroad and stuff like that, but never had someone on the podcast um, that I've literally could say, "What is it you've done?" So I think that's quite valuable. Now, in regards to you know, if we talk about like a drying out process, some people will water load, sodium load. Some might use natural diuretics and stuff like that. Was I mean, I know that you were shredded to the bone, and you said you really just went with it because of the flight and the bloating, or, or sort of the water retention. Did that change how? Did Cal change how you done anything with that? Um, so nothing actually changed. Like I, I pretty much like the day because I was there on the Wednesday. I had Thursday, Friday to kind of get normal and just kind of get a sweat on if I need to get a sweat on. So I was actually, I was actually pretty sound. But like so much, like so much in my experience, even peaking people on my own, it's just, it's, it's just like what does the person need rather than like this blanket protocol, you know? And like almost every, almost every peak week was just slightly different because we took the, took the data, changed it, took the data, changed it, you know, just the change to what, what, what looked best. Um, and, and that's really it. Yeah. I think that's important as well um, to point out and you hit the nail on the head mate that it's different person to person, but there's a lot of Josh Bridgman fans out there. They probably just want. They probably know what want to know what fucking time you go for a shit at, mate. So I thought I would just I thought I'd just quiz you on that one. Now, if we were to talk about, we did touch on it briefly in regards to training. Now, I know you train very hard, and there'll be guys out there who are thinking, but Josh, you go fucking all in when you train legs, and I think what we're all wondering is, when are the legs coming out, Josh? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It depends on how big I can get, you know. Like I think, I think for my height, it's like one hundred three on stage or something. Like one hundred and three kilos on stage. That's just a lot of weight I got to stick on to look good with those guys. Or at least to be big in that category. Now, is your goal right now solely just focused on IFBB two bros? So, will we ever see you compete in uh, another Fed? Such you know, you talked about the standard of PCA. Is, is is on the rise, um, and I hundred percent agree with you. Um, I think that like the classic guys, look this year was insane, and their posing was nuts. Or are you solely going to just going to stick with the, the IFBB? Yeah, so for me, it's it's, it's just the IFBB. I want to be on the Olympia stage, man. I've dreamt about this this stage more than you can imagine. Uh, so it's, it's the goal. It's it's just where I want to be. So I just put everything into that. I don't need to. I just want to stay. You know. Bodybuilding's like a, a very like you got to get home in on, on on the shows you want to do and and if I spread my bets I think I just want to stick to that one goal that I want so yeah 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 one hundred percent mate now I love that now your mentality for those that don't uh, don't perhaps follow Josh is one more rep am I right in saying that now I get a rough idea of what that means I I say give it the beans right. They are two different sayings, but perhaps have similar connotations. Sure. Can you can you talk us through where one more rep stands for? You know what it is as a value to you, how you implement that into your day to day life, your clients' lives, um, and whatnot. And then um, I think that sharing a brief 
story of, of what you had done with your dad there would be ama- would be amazing in regards to how that one more rep coincides into that because that I mean if you if you've not if you if you don't know the story go on Josh's Instagram it was amazing but I, I'll let you tell it buddy for sure for sure so uh, one more ref is, is is of course you know you, you, you shout gym but you, you know you're, you're a gym boy one more one more rep is is a lot more deeper than just the, the the facets of bodybuilding it's that mentality of that just putting that one foot in front of the other doing that rep you know the reps that is just metaphorical you know it's just about moving forward you know so if you can say to yourself one more rep i promise you you're going to get somewhere you know as long as you're moving that in the in in, in the right direction with the right intentions that 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 one more rep is going to get you you know years down the line decades down the line whatever it is it's going to get you to that place where you want to go and just a brief like just to talk about the the story of my dad he, he so he essentially had an accident in 2017 where basically one of his, his his arteries latched onto one of his veins and because of the blood pressure difference just blew the vein in his back and just destroyed all of his his nerves in his back and so he was he was paralyzed from the chest down he, he didn't move from the bed for like four weeks lost all of his muscle he was he was a biker he did like 200 kilometers like a, a week like a proper avid biker and all of that just got ripped away from him and he obviously had, he hit rock bottom at, at points even to be honest as, as near as this this february you know, when you can't walk and, and not the way you want to, and you've got burden on, you know, you're burden on your wife, you're burden on your son, whether you like it or not. You know, we obviously don't want to, like, don't think that, of course, but that's the way someone in that situation is thinking. And he hit the bottom, hit rock bottom. Fortunately, I would say it was when I was there and, and managed to talk him, you know, off the ledge, off the ledge, so to speak. Um, and just had to put in a plan of action from there and I just said look man like this is it like this is you're against the wall now you come out fighting you know and you put one foot in front of the other um, and it wasn't until probably like March time when I started talking about this one more rep like so after just after the the darkest time of his life and my life to be honest and, and then, then I started telling him about the idea and, and he just you know without me knowing internally he took that into his into his progress so he started walking more he started putting ankle weights on he started getting on his bike when he could yeah, he doesn't walk perfectly right now, but he, he can he can hang with me now. You know, we can go for steps together. We can go for a walk. We can take the dog for a walk, and and that difference from just February till now, you know, it just you know hit, hit a sweet spot. And he and he he filmed he filmed himself coming off his amazing walk. You know that post post workout feel. He was on a high. He filmed that thing, and it, and it just you know broke my heart. And I I thought you know people need to see this. And I thought I wanted to share that story with people because. The definition of one more rep is what my dad went through. You know, that's the reason why I'll never, never make anything, no, make never make any excuses and just roll with the punches because shit's gonna be flowing at you. Shit's gonna get hard. Shit's gonna be tough. But if you can just take that one more, one more rep mentality through it, you'll get out the other side. And what I like is that you know you spoke, we spoke earlier on about being open and honest about things, and I think that the fact that you show you a bit of emotion, like man, man it makes me resonate with you because. Dude, I'm crybaby. Like, I did my last day of one-to-ones, you know, two weeks ago, and I was crying nearly everyone that I said goodbye to. Um, but to see how much that clearly meant to you, and, you know, obviously your dad's a big inspiration to you, and I'm sure you're a huge inspiration to him, um, I think it's pretty damn awesome. Um, so I just wanted you to say that story because um, I thought, if I'm going to get this guy on a podcast, that's just, it's just something that I wanted to share for the listeners. Now, I'm going to bring it back to the men's physique because I feel like I'm going off on, a t- off on a tangent here now if I was to think back looking at your Instagram earlier on this year you got feedback from one of the feds I-, I can't remember what it was and in it they mentioned your shorts 
Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is that about? I mean, how much did that piss you off? And did you follow that up with, like, what are you talking about? Uh, I, I didn't. I think, I think, I think, whether we like it or not, it's slightly a political game. I think people's mentality can't get away from it. I would say in any federation, it's just the way it is. They try and be as fair as normal, but I think it just is what it is. But I, I, to be honest, I didn't really get the, the comment about the shorts. I mean, I mean, they weren't like horrific. I don't think. I think, like, and if they're not horrific, I think it's a physique competition. Uh, competition, or who can pick the best shorts competition. And the stress I went through to pick those shorts, like, <laughs> like, like my girlfriend, my mum, all sending me shorts for weeks, and I get that from the judge. <laughs> they were they were more unhappy than I was. I bet um, you, Carl's asking why your resting heart rate is that high, and you're like, fucking shorts, man, I can't sleep. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, so it, it does make you think about their judging a little bit, but I mean, yeah, actually, again, roll the punches, you know, just come back undeniable with some better shorts. Yeah. So I, I never actually knew you've not had a year off since 2014. Is that five years? Yeah, yeah, literally five years. Okay, that's crazy. So one year off, being assisted, I'm sure, obviously, maybe higher doses or different compounds. Like, I, I don't think anyone has any doubts that you'll come back and you'll get what you deserve and what you're sought out for but what I wanted to try and touch on is we've spoke about all the things that when it comes to training the body parts to look out for in men's physique do you feel that there's anything perhaps not problematic with where the industry is going or, or the men's physique class or do you feel that there's any sort of barriers out there that are perhaps getting in the way of people competing or or anything at all that, that's given the sport a negative connotation um, I mean, there's plenty. The list goes on with with kind of any industry. I mean, with, with the industry at the moment, you see a lot of you know, fit influencers as such, like the guys and girls who are coming from like reality shows, and they're trying to just jump on the supplement bandwagon and and different, you know, just bullshit workouts and bullshit nutrition plans. Like that's always been rife in the industry, I think, because it's, and it's boomed with social with, with social media. So of course, these guys are going to jump on it there's a market for them I mean that always gives it a bad name and just just like I think just influencers and and, and that's like real bodybuilding influence I should say and like bodybuilders is just the real lack of actual knowledge and that makes me sound like a, a pompous prick but like I'm just like it's crazy to see IFBB pros talk about like shocking the body you've got to get your protein in three minutes after your workout and I'm thinking like bro like this is like basic nutrition you learn in like year 11 biology like you don't need to it's you know but then I'm talking to about I'm talking that about Mr. Olympia four times over with Jeremy Wendia and it's just like who am I to say that but people and people condemn me for that but I think if we can get someone at the top me I can pro, <laughs> uh, and I can I can just I can just start xing people off but I, I can't I don't want to I don't want to do that right now I've got to accumulate my knowledge first uh, but when I when I go to seminars like the muscle mentors like you said earlier and I just think like I'm 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 five rungs in the ladder down from these dudes. You know where where are these IFBB pros going? And and towards what are their coaches saying? I just think yeah. I, I, I also I, don't want to tell those guys because they got great physiques. So. I, I think that it is changing. You know you got to look at. I think that now Brightman signed up with Cal, right? Uh, yeah. And he wants to be an IFBB pro that brings that sort of education to to the game. So. Could you talk me through, obviously, I'll know the work you've done with Cal, but just talk me through what he has honed in on uh, in regards to everything, training, 
nutrition, recovery, that, 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 you know, there's probably still people that listen to this episode that don't know who the muscle mentors are. And if, if there is, I don't know where the fucking been the past few years, right? Um, but can you talk us through just like, what has Cal perhaps instilled in you that you do on the daily with yourself, maybe perhaps with your clients that ultimately is, is helping you become more an elite version of yourself? Sure. Um, I mean, again, Cal, the, the, the fountain of knowledge that I've got from that guy has just been unbelievable. I mean, the, the training intensity and, and the style, I, I was at JP for years, so I, I've, I've, I've had a grasp of that, and I knew that with more direct programming, uh, with a little bit more know-how behind it biomechanically that, that Cal provided, I knew that it would be a match made in heaven. So I got a lot from that. Nutritionally, just in terms of digestion and actually being conscious of that and how far we need to push food, um, you know, and, and how hard you need to pull food. In fact, um, I got a lot, a lot of drug knowledge from, from Cal, of course, um, which is which is invaluable for someone in my position. Like I, I could never like when I'm doing my budget, Callum is literally like number one on that because it's like no, this is this is this is me. I'm taking care of, um, and 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 to be honest, just the mindset that he's managed to manipulate into into more of what I wanted it to be in this winner's mindset. He's the the word the few very few words of wisdom that he's added to give me in times of doubt and the very few times of doubt has been like next level, you know? Like it's easy to get through an off season with come on, let's go, let's go. But like when you're in the depths of a prep and you've got someone talking to you like like they like you really need to hear, like how like and and, and adopting that whole mindset for a, for an off season and on, on season that's how I feel right now. It's, it's oof, next level, like dangerous, you know. So if you can do that, unstoppable. Now, I 100% agree with you, but I'm I'm going to go further down the rabbit hole in the sense of you know before you were with Cal, I don't know if you were tracking your sleep or you know your blood sugar levels or or your HRV or whatnot. How, now doing or now tracking those variables, how better do you feel? Uh, so I definitely feel better for it because I'm way more conscious of it um, to the point that I feel like I could almost not have to track those things anymore because I've done them for so long. I can feel like, you know, I wake up and I know my HIV is going to be low because I'm, you know, I've battered myself, you know, and I can, and I can well, I've had a great sleep. Uh, it's going to be a good HIV day, you know, so I, and it correlates more often than not, right? Of course, you've got more, more ability to have the exact answers in front of you, all those things, and they are very, very valuable. It's not to say that if you've honed in on those, you can't get away from them. And I think it's important for for pretty much everyone to go through that process of tracking the, the most important variables, you know, like R and R blood pressure for the, the most basic level. And then if you want to go something blood glucose, HRV, um, and then you know, and then and then just hone in on how that actually feels, and then and start to make that correlation so you stay human, not just the robot, you know, just living off these numbers because you know ultimately how you feel is going to dictate what happens. And is that something that you perhaps would recommend to someone that's natural, is stay on top of all these variables as well? Because I feel that some people will often say, oh, I don't track that because I'm not a sister. And I kind of go, well, it doesn't really matter if you aren't or not. But how, you know, based from how the years of natural experience you had, do you think it would have been beneficial around that time? 100%. Like, it's, like, it's harder to be a natural bodybuilder because you've only got so little variables to play with. So if you mess one of them up, like... It's, it's, you've got every you need to be better than the other next body, natural bodybuilder. You need every single thing you can think about: sleep, you know, correct nutrition, correct digestion, 
every single recovery tool that we have available. I wish I was doing when I was natural because I would have got better results. Like literally, like, there were times I'd go to bed at three a.m. and wake up at you know one p.m. Like whatever, I didn't care about it. I didn't have any concept of circadian rhythm. I would order Domino's because I needed to get my cows in. Didn't have any con- you know conception of digestion. I didn't chew my food, so I'd always you know have like indigestion and bloating, and I didn't think about it. Make any correlations, and and I think about the progress I made was 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 you know I was happy with it at the time, but I think about it now, and I'm like, oh, I could have blown that away. If I just knew what I knew now. Dude, that's, don't we all? Don't we all know? That brings us nicely to my last question, and I ask this from every every person that comes on, is that. What would you say has your, or what is your biggest lesson that you've learned in life? And then I know you've already touched on touched on it, but also just let us know what the next chapter is in the story of Josh Bridgman. Um, what's next? Big off season, my first assistant off season, which is going to be awesome. Um, and I'm just gonna, I've got that Olympic goal like on a, on a competing level. That's always going to be in the forefront of my of my vision um, and I'm doing the most I can to facilitate that alongside building a future for me and you know my, my family and whatnot um, so the coaching like I love the coaching I love being able to change a lot of people on a, on, a, on a you know on a really personal level but I also love the social media aspect and I love the YouTube and I love the fact that I can, I can put a video out and I can have thousands and thousands of people you know get hit by that video and have a much bigger impact of what I want to have an impact on so I'm just doing that future living towards that goal living and breathing and bodybuilding right now it's, it's my absolute love so I'm just going for it okay but the one thing that you missed out was what has been your biggest lesson in life that you've that you've had biggest lesson uh, my biggest lesson is to do literally just do because I spent I, I, this has been the best year of my life by I can't even put a number on it until I was 25 I never did I just I just I just passively wanted goals and passively thought yeah I want to do that but I didn't do anything about it I didn't I didn't make those I didn't take that first rep I didn't take that first rep to be able to take my next rep you know and I, and I never had that mindset of okay if I want something I've actually got to work for it and, and I had big dreams I had big goals and they, they come a lot slower if you're not doing anything and you climb that ladder with your hands in your pockets you know like and that's what I did for so long so taking the first step was literally for me it was getting a job that was it I literally got a job Realised I didn't want to do it. That was data for me to go try something different, and and then literally the ball just rolled from there. So it was just collecting what I did and didn't want to do, and then I found this. And I loved it. Yeah, love it, dude. Love it, dude. Now, for anyone listening out there that perhaps uh, has came across you for the first time from this podcast, could you give the listeners, uh, you know, where they could find you, your Instagram handle, YouTube, your website, you know, maybe you do autographs on Tuesdays. You know, where can they where, where can they find you? Uh, that would be fab. So you can find me, Josh Bridgman, on YouTube, Instagram, uh, and I've got a podcast as well. It's called Bridging the Gap. You can listen to my monotone voice talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mate, for coming on. Um, I think I speak for everyone when uh, I say it was a privilege to be able to pick your brain for um, an hour and that any aspiring competitors out there or people on their bodybuilding journey, I think, will get a lot from it and will resonate from it. So from everyone at Give It The Beans a massive thank you and I think that I speak for me and Josh uh, for everyone out there when I say wherever you are whatever you do Give It The Beans